Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Going for Two. I am your intrepid host, Matt Brown. I am the publisher of the Extra Points newsletter. I am joined here, as always, by my co-host, Brian Fisher. Brian, I'm glad to see that you're alive and that you seem to be awake. That's a that's that that's a that's not a bad place to be after these past couple of days. Yeah, a little sleep deprived after uh, a, a lengthy NFL draft. It, it was great to see more of a return to normalcy on that front, and, and hopefully that uh, kind of pretends a, a lot in terms of our fall watching uh, for for college sports as well. So uh, trying to recover from that, but excited about this week's episode because I, I know when we started this this whole thing and we kind of listed out some of the topics, this was uh, one of the first things I thought about because it's it's such an unknown entity, esports, and I, I'm really excited to talk with our guests today and, and really kind of dive in into some of the aspects that I think a lot of people are, are just unaware of. Yeah, this, this comes up in, in most conversations I have with athletic directors and academics and administrators generally. And it's, it's interesting because most of them don't really know a whole lot about like the blood and guts of esports. I mean, I, mean, I guess let me, let, me, let me ask you this real quick. Are you much of a gamer, Brian? You know, it's funny because the last week I, I watched Mortal Kombat, the, the movie on, on HBO Max, and, and I just the, the flashbacks I got from from watching that updated movie to actually playing the, the original video game way back in the day, uh, you know, and taking cartridges out and having to blow on them to, to put them back in like that. That's the generation I come from. Uh, certainly do not play as many games nowadays. Uh, obviously, having a, a small child is a big contributor to that. But, uh, you know, back in the day, I love to play video games. And I think for, uh, you know, a lot of Americans, a lot of people around the world nowadays, I think it is becoming more uh, of a part of their daily lives, whether it's on their phones, you know, and and on on the bus or commuting uh, or, you know, really sitting down to to stream uh, on on, uh, those next generation consoles. I think it's it's certainly a growing industry and one uh, I'm tangentially a part of, but uh, certainly back in the day was, was is way much more of part of my life than it is now. Real, real quick, do I need to watch the new Mortal Kombat movie? I heard the original Mortal Kombat movie was terrible. Is this one? Is this one good, or is it just the pandemic? This one's fine. I, I have a huge nostalgia for for the old, <laughs> the original Mortal Kombat movie, so I, it's tough to top that one. Just in terms of the nostalgia that I feel for it. Oh but, sure. Uh, you know this 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 one was all right. You you can tell that they are setting this up for. Uh, we're we're going to make three or four of these. <laughs> this is going to be our new franchise for uh, HBO. So I think that that was more of the the focus on this one. But uh, uh, fun fun to think back to those early '90s and and uh, remembering some of the the fond memories I have of that. But it, it does kind of invoked it for, for a lot, really the new generation of sports fans, um, you can have those connections of the past. I mean, uh, and I think we'll, we'll get into that a little bit as well. There, there's a huge connection between uh, what has been happening, you know, five or 10 years ago versus and where the industry can can really go from here. Yeah, I, I, I don't even think I saw the first movie and the video game could not have been more contra, more of a contraband, I think, in my house growing up. I, I, I might have actually gotten in less trouble had I brought home drugs than had I brought home the original Mortal Kombat, which is pretty funny to think about now when you actually like stick it in the Sega Genesis and like look look at what the violence actually looks like. No, like I mean, I, I'm in a similar boat, right? I have, uh, we're, we're close to the same age. I have a six-year-old and a two-year-old and uh, that does make gaming more challenging but i have a ps5 i, I play fifa i play I, I play nba 2k and i like playing video games but the games that i tend to really play are sports games um 
old Super Nintendo games on the Nintendo Switch, which I play with my girls, or first like narrative uh, one player games, right? I got I got into The Last of Us. I got into Mass Effect. And those are not games you typically play online. They're not consumer spectacle kind of kind of games. And they're not the sort of games that are really popular within esports. So like I intellectually know that esports is a big thing. But like, do I go home and play League of Legends? Like, I know League of Legends exists, but that's not that's not my PC. That's that that that's that's not really my world. And and for a lot of my old colleagues and many my sports writer friends, they're in a similar boat. So I I thought we thought it would be a good chance here for us to talk to somebody who actually does know what they're talking about beyond just the superficial association with video games. Here, uh, I I wanted to bring on a gentleman named Alan Ignacio who uh, runs the esports program. At San Jose State University, he's he founded that program. He's a he's a student there. He's been heavily involved with it, and is also somebody that's that's really a, a deep thinker about the esports industry, which is evolving a lot. I thought we would bring him on here and, and answer a couple of dumb questions that we have about esports and how it fits into how we think about college sports in general. Because I think these two groups have some things that they can teach each other. Uh, th- thanks so much here for taking some time to chat with us. I'm I'm really excited about this. I, I I love getting a chance to to learn from people who know so much about things that I am not as familiar with. One of, one of the things that I'm really curious about with this explosive growth in esports at the college level these past couple of years is when I look back at the history of college football or college basketball or talk to administrators at smaller schools, they maybe didn't play football or basketball, but they've been watching it for a while. They're very aware of it, right? But when I talk to some uh, athletic directors or some of these conference commissioners, even at the esports level right now, they don't know Super Smash Brothers from Pong. And and they definitely haven't played, you know, in a, a league or haven't played an FPS for in forever. I'm I'm curious from your perspective, have you noticed? Um, are, are are there mistakes that you think administrators are making, or you know, as, as these programs start, or have there been times where you've been working with people at your school or people in this community and think like, man, you have no idea what the hell we're, we're actually doing here? Has, has that been your experience? Yeah, happy happy to lend some insight on that. First off, thank you all for for having me here. Uh, happy to educate anyone on on the world of uh, collegiate esports. Um, I, I think when in regards to that question, one of the things that most administrators understand is that they're going to learn so much from the students and the community that was grassroots built um, within their campuses. Um, I hope that administrators, when they do eventually tackle on esports, um, they they sort of come in with an open mind and go full on transparent of what they do know and what they don't know, instead of thinking that they can imply traditional sports thinking, uh, philosophy and mindsets onto what is essentially a brand new kind of demographic that don't usually engage engage with the rest of traditional sports. Um, so in, in terms of mistakes, uh, I, I usually don't see them as mistakes, but more as just like learning opportunities for them to see what works and what doesn't work. Obviously, for the past three years that I've been running esports at San Jose State, it's a lot of learning from, from both my director and myself. My director also runs the rest of the club sports system, all 32 other teams. But esports is just a brand new thing to, to that entire faculty. Um, and, and I learned and, and, and they sure. learned so much from me. And I learned back from them and, and whatever decisions and roadmaps that is that has spawned and, 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 and created from from the two uh, parties here can can hopefully morph into something uh, in, in the grander gaming community and, and, and leave a positive impact on students. Sure. 
You know, you know, I, I appreciate that. What, one of the, the bigger differences that I've noticed is that when you look at football or water polo or volleyball, right, the, the university administrators themselves, their athletic directors, they get together, they control the rules of the sport. You know, college football <laughs> is, is, is run by colleges. But when I look at esports, right, like San Jose State doesn't own the license that Riot Games controls. Like San Jose State can't get together and say, no, for this tournament, these are the rules of the game. We're going to nerf X, Y, and Z, Mm -hmm. and the the scoring is this way. It's run by an outside company. Yes, correct. Um, Does that... Uh, is, is that distinction or, or, or been been an issue for administrators? Has that made things more challenging from your perspective, or is that just part of the world and you just roll with it? It is definitely part of the world. Um, one of the biggest things that is so inherently different as an esports athlete is is the emphasis on the ability to adapt to what the changes are in in the game. So uh, I'm going to reference League of Legends a lot because that sure. is the the one that I've um ex- uh, I've ran the League of Legends team for the past three years, saw, managed it, and, and saw the dynamic uh, meta, as it's so to speak, or how the game is played in the professional scene. Um, the ability to adapt is, is humongous in terms of uh, competitive success and, and, and players learning how to just, um, how to work with that meta and see how it could fit along with themselves. Um, it, it is just the natural part of trying to be the best in, 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 in the esports is, is to learn and adapt because Riot Games, the ones who develop League of Legends will be changing the game very often. And, and that is just the accepted norm in collegiate esports, esports in general too. As for administrators, uh, it, 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 the challenge on them is to ensure that the team can operate uh, and, and have an emphasis on adaptability when that patch note comes out, when a new change arrives, when a new hero comes through or a new weapon in some other video games. Just uh, that, in terms of, of administration and collegiate, it is on them to hope that they can emphasize such a, a needed skill for, for these players. So, Alan, you, you mentioned League of Legends there, and I, I'm yes. sure a lot of the, the regular sports fans know FIFA and, and Madden and all that. Mm-hmm. What are some of the titles and, and companies involved in esports at, at the collegiate level that uh, we, we should know about beyond League of Legends? Of course, uh, and happy happy to answer that too, because it is you would think that sports games can just dive right into collegiate esports and coexist, but the difference is how the developers invest into that community, because League of Legends, uh, Riot Games, they are the one funding the prize pool for the ultimate tournament, the 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 national um, collegiate uh, organ. Uh, collegiate tournaments um other games so so it's very dependent on the developer to invest into that player base into the collegiate scene and that's where that's the most of our games are based off of the other games that have seen much development thanks to the developers is psionics with rocket league riot games also owns valorant a new brand new uh, f uh, shooter, first-person shooter that came out last year. They're um, investing into that heavily as as the game goes along uh, and 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 comes off being brand brand new. Uh, Blizzard Entertainment, Blizzard Activision with Overwatch. Um, so those are just to name a few. But when when you look at games uh, that are very prevalent in in collegiate esports, is the ones is where the developers put a lot of investment, a lot of money for the players, and and have the infrastructure and build the infrastructure for those tournaments to exist on a national level. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned investment because this, this is something I'm, I'm really curious about too, because, you know, we, 
I, I, I practically wrote a book on this about some of the financial and structural investments that universities have to do to say to get a football program off the ground. You need a weight room. You need scholarships, sometimes 85 scholarships, maybe 30, 40 scholarships. You need lots of meeting spaces. You need a, a staff of like 12 different people. And I think a lot of our audience are generally familiar with, okay, you're going to have to drop like 5 million bucks, even if you're a Chico state right. and you want to start right a, a football team. But one of the things that's appealing to a Stoji administrator is that it doesn't take $5 million to build an esports program. Not at all. But it does take some money if you want to do it well. Yes, correct. So I'm, I'm curious, like, okay, let's, let's say I came to you and say, listen, Alan, I got, I got 300 grand here to go build a really a you know, powerful brand and program here at San Jose State. What are we spending that money on besides scholarships? Good question. You want to inv- you you not only want to invest it on scholarships and and find the the people that can go into San Jose State and represent San Jose State at the highest level of their game. You want to invest into the gaming community itself. Basically, the 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 the, the hard answer to this question: you want to have a space on campus, a physical space on campus that supports the gaming community. What that's space would look like is if you Google a land center, if you go to gaming uh, bars or or places that have nothing but lines of computers, rows of computers, top of the notch in every aspect, in all the specs of that PC, and, and, and have the ability for the campus to recognize that demographic of the gamer, where where they can go into that space and just have fun and and make it a part of the college experience. So if I was given a blank check, I would immediately invest in a recreational space because it benefits the general gaming community, the competitive teams uh, programs within the gaming community and San Jose in general or San Jose State in general, because ultimately the goal is to have student retention and, and to show that you know, you're paying so much out of tuition, but this is what we're investing it on. And this is how we're heightening your campus experience. You know, that that's, that's so interesting. I was talking to somebody who was involved at Sacramento State, and she was telling me that, like, you know, one of the biggest challenges we've had over the last year is, you know, we're still able to practice, but there's so much of, of, of our, of our, what it means to have an esports community is literally about the community part. And we still have people on our team that literally haven't met each other because we haven't been in person. It's hard to coach remotely. It's hard to figure out our ping situation. If we're, we have different internet connections and we're all over the place. And she's like, we've had to go off campus. Yes. But being able to meet in the same place would is would be like the, the number one most important thing. And and my understanding is that like that's still somewhat uncommon in some places. There are, you, there are college programs that, you know, I think Irvine has as a facility and Oklahoma State just Correct. built one, but there are plenty of others that are just like, maybe we'll be in the engineering lab. Maybe we have to go to a bar. Uh, not everybody has one of these, right? Correct. It, and, and that's kind of the landscape with collegiate. It's it's a very Wild West situation. It's same like esports in its infancy a decade ago. We're just trying to test the waters and then figure out what yeah. is the good formula that the most colleges can base off of and it'll successfully work. We are still learning that in, in the realm of collegiate esports, the, the best ways to actually invest into a program and to get a, not only an ROI, but just to meet the goals of student retention along those lines. It is also true that my players have not met IRL as a team, obviously thanks to the pandemic, but also yeah. even in pre-pandemic times where there really wasn't a reason unless they endeavored to because um, 
there was not a space on campus for them to meet. They would rather play at home. You you get ping issues. Oh, and it's it's even worse on campus. My goodness, on campus housing cannot support the. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 hard to believe, considering we're in the Silicon Valley, but it is the damn truth. Yeah. Um, that that on campus experience with gaming. I also myself dormed for a little bit of time. Is just is is is, is incredibly um challenging to to, sure. to what is required from from a player in terms of that kind kind of infrastructure. Um, it is it is very different university if, if you want to look at a collegiate program um if you pick any university it is all over the map on where they are in terms of infrastructure what they look like as a club is it run by the faculty and a person being paid to do so or is it student run you know so it, it's yeah. so different and, and and that's also what makes this so fascinating because you know this this is that this was the major debate with college athletics in the you know back at the, the turn of the century. Should this be controlled by faculty, many of whom didn't really have a particular interest or expertise in it? Should it be be controlled by alumni? Should it be controlled by outside forces, or should it be an undergraduate only entity? And and you, you know we saw programs that were able to even be commercially successful run by a different twenty year old every single time. From from my ignorant vantage point, it seemed like. Like that was not an uncommon model for esports right now, but this is professionalizing quite a bit, yes. right? Like, um, I, I, I'm interested. I saw you talking about this on Twitter a little bit, and I know that there's, there's, it's a bit of a controversy about certifications yes. or, or what kind of qualifications one would need to have to be successful in this industry. Absolutely. You know, afterwards, do you think that you have to have? played collegiately to be a good coach are do you need a certain certification or like explicit training to be a good coach or what what do you think are the are the skills or traits needed to to work in this world given that it's it's it hasn't existed for 70 years you know of course and and speaking on somebody that that might want to transition into the whole space i'll answer yeah. on behalf of that individual um <laughs> I, I would say that the biggest thing is to be open and transparent with the students about what they know and what they don't know and how they can learn from each other the ability to be open about that because it is a humongous learning curve and the best places to learn how the landscape is going to work and how the culture is, is, is that faculty, that administrator working with the students in a very close way so that yeah. both though, both their goals align together and can make that work in terms of basics. So, so in terms of basic, they just have to be open-minded about the whole situation. You don't, the faculty member does not need to play League of Legends to learn and coach it. If anything, you would give the coaching role to a student so they can develop that leadership ability. The, the, the role of an administrator is to ensure that that the, the program can operate under levels that is acceptable by the rest of the campus and to see if they could push towards investment and, and, and stuff along, represent the student's best sure. interest to the rest of campus administrators. That's that's basically what that, what that individual should be doing um, rather than being all in on ensuring competitive success because they're more than likely not, they wouldn't be qualified to do so. They could apply like life lessons, mental lessons that, that, you know, a, a football team can share competitiveness. Um, all, the mental game is humongous in esports, and I'm sure that can be applied um, if, yeah. if the administrator is, is runs other teams too or has a familiarity along those lines. But that's where the cross between traditional sports and esports that's that that's the best bridge to cross over because the men mental game is very strong in, in both in similar sides. But aside from that, culture is different. Uh, 
between students. Uh, and, and yeah, I, I would say that would be my answer. That makes sense. I'm, I'm curious, you know, we often talk about college athletics uh, on the field being the front porch for the university. Mm-hmm. I, I'm curious if you're talking to an administrator and you're they're ta- thinking about starting up their program. When, when you talk about end goals for, for a lot of these programs, w- what can it be for some of the universities that are thinking about getting into this space? Uh, end goals that I least like to say from my perspective is to ensure that the gamer the, the 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 person that goes to school um can can they feel represented by the campus through the investments that they make towards that particular demographic uh, I, I i look at the esports space as an opportunity to engage more students that they can't have in traditional sports. That's where my, that I would put, that would be my goals, essentially, more so than replacing football uh, in terms of marketing or, or stuff along those lines. Like, I don't see the esports program being the, the whole face of an athletics program within a university. The only place where that's applicable are private institutions that are relatively small. Uh, for example, you may have never heard of Maryville University or Harrisburg University in the realm of traditional sports because they're more more than not a science institute or very specialized on a particular um, subject. However, because of the humongous investment they made into esports, they are a known name in our community. And those goals align because more than half or not, um, the players also want that kind of education, engineering, arts, stuff along those lines um, because those goals aligned with the university itself. But uh, speaking on from a public university standpoint, because San Jose State is huge, um, I look at it as a goal to have increased student retention and to enhance their uh, on-campus experience. You know, I mean, this this is similar to what I've heard others, both students and administrators, tell me about their programs. And you know, from a competitive standpoint, one of the more attractive things is you're right. If you're a, a, a school like like Marysville or like a Case Western or even some of these smaller, I mean, I think in the Peach Belt was were some of the yeah. in the southeast part of the country were some of the early adopters, mm-hmm. and they're and they're like, listen. If you get a good graduate assistant and you spend $100,000 on building a good physical lab, you can go play Alabama and kick their ass. Yes. Or you or you could go play like a, a big state school. And like, right. I mean, out west, it's, it's Boise's has a, a strong program. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and Irvine and, and some of these places that don't have 90 million dollar athletic budgets or enormous endowments. You can be an early adopter and you can be successful, whereas you know, no offense to San Jose State football, last year notwithstanding. Oh, of course, uh, yeah, except for last <laughs> yeah. year. That, that's <laughs> a liar. I hope not, it's, but, you know. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's generally not the case. But the, the other thing that you said here that that's I've been thinking about a lot was about helping students feel like they're connected to the campus and 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 seen in a way that, that maybe they wouldn't have before. And right, like I don't think I'm speaking out of out of out of turn here. When I look at the rosters for a lot of these collegiate esports programs, a lot of them pretty heavily Asian male, yes. which is less less the case in a lot of other more traditional athletic programs. Mm-hmm. And and I've had schools tell me like. Part of this is literally a diversity recruitment attempt um, to, to create something that that help might improve Asian representation or or, or certain other kind of uh, you know smaller minority representation groups on campus. But that being said, I haven't talked to many esports athletes who are women. Um, I haven't talked to a ton who are Latino or who are African American, mm-hmm. and I've had other coaches say, you know, 
both from a Title IX and from a, just an inclusion standpoint, we have a lot of work to do. Right. It, it, from from your perspective, and and, and you know you're you're at a, a really diverse campus and a really diverse metropolitan area. Mm-hmm. Are, are there things that you've seen other programs do well in trying to bring different kinds of people? To be, uh, be to be involved and to be seen within esports, I think one of the biggest ways that you can tackle that in a collegiate community and 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 to preface this, this is an industry wide yeah. situation where it's sure. very male dominant, leans definitely towards Asian Americans and, and stuff along those lines. Um, so this is an industry whole process, and the place of collegiate is a small part of that bigger goal that the industry is trying to create. Um, what I've seen from the collegiate level that I think works very well is to um, have minorities uh, groups be represented in leadership and and work towards showing the general gaming community that if these uh, individuals are in leadership going into esports prove that they can they can lead an entire program and and, and they might not be the majority that is a, a good op, a way to in, encourage that inclusivity uh, I see to tackle this uh, situation uh, with within or, or, or to increase diversity through the casual gaming community more so than just having binary teams, which I don't agree at all, because we can absolutely run co-ed um, teams 100 percent or not or not care, care about the binaries, about everything along those lines and have representation for transgendered non-binaries, too. Uh, I, I just yeah. I just see that that we need to. And, and also the reason why, too, is that because gaming is relatively uh, toxic uh, like, like, they're, 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 I mean, yeah. leans young. Uh, people may be ignorant or want to say some funny stuff. Also, hiding in anonymity through a user username rather than in face, face, face. You know, sure. um, it, it can breed that kind of toxicity that nobody would show in real life. Um, and obviously, I think collegiate can play a role in ed- in education of 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 that to stamp out that kind of toxicity. Make these. Uh, people make the people that define gaming as their social construct to grow up a little bit in, in that regard. Uh, but, yeah, but I see yeah. that a lot. You tackle it from the casual gaming community perspective out of all collegiate. Yeah. I mean, we've seen that crossover already with uh, the Myers Leonard situation where he, you know, was, was gaming and, and on a stream and got cut by the heat. I'm curious, you know, we, we've seen um, some competitions pop up that are, you know, loosely affiliated with some of the, the current college conferences. Where are we going in terms of governance? I know it's a, a difficult question to kind of ask, but are, are we going to, in five to 10 years, see the the SEC championship of League of Legends? Or are we going to see the, the, the Pac-12 champion in, in whatever your title it might be, be facing off a, against a, an SEC champion or something like that? Is that where we might potentially be able to get to in a couple of years that is a great question um and and for uh, speaking on the league of legends scene again riot games has been very good at developing conference relationships for example the conference at san jose state in mountain west conference is a part of the league of legends tournament system where instead of playing uh, against uh, instead of San Jose State versus UC Riverside or any other school in, in 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 the West Coast, we are against Boise State, Fresno State, and the ones that we see are rivals within that that replicate that uh, system in athletics. And I think that's really cool. And I think Riot is doing, and, and that's a good step to understanding how we can incorporate that kind of traditional sports structure into esports. I think the problem with that goes towards, uh, for the most 
most part, uh, dealing with, with hundreds of students within my program for the past three years and explain to them that we're in the Mountain West Conference, all of them ask, what is that? <laughs> all of them ask, what's Mountain West? Sure. And then I ask, do you go to the football games? I do, by the way. Uh, they don't. Yeah. Um, uh, they might not understand the significance of the conferences as much as traditional sports do because esports is not limited by conferences for the most part it is limited by regions it's easier to be limited by regions because of ping so like i don't see uh, well, but Boise and, and, and us are a humongous rival. I love uh, Doc Haskell of Boise, by the way. Incredible human being, pioneer within the collegiate oh, space. Yeah. But I see, uh, at least in my Valorant team for SJSU, we consider our rival to be UC Irvine. And UC Irvine doesn't have much of an impact in, in athletics in general, but because of their humongous support for esports, we consider them the rivalry. And we, and we, we, we want to face teams that are not outside of that are outside of our conference rather than inwards um so i think it, it is it is tough to say what five and ten years will look like and the involvement of conferences or governance with within within esports all i can say in terms of governance i hope that riot games will will continue to lead the way in terms of that direction because it should be the developer's responsibility to guide how they want to to go moving forward Sure. I mean, I mean, it's it's funny. We we see the same a similar issue in our world too, right? You can't manufacture a rivalry, no. and and there is the the best ones, the organic ones, grow out of decades and decades of shared competition and ideally um, shared interaction in real life. Yes, like you guys will, are going to run into Irvine grads your whole life, whereas you know you might not see somebody that went to Utah State for three years outside outside of athletics, right? Like that's that that that's what that's what you want. And so I would imagine trying to kind of staple an organization or competitive structure that's not relevant to the lived experience of, of your college or teammates wouldn't wouldn't work in, in the name of like, you know trying to attract commercial sales somewhere else. It wouldn't it wouldn't work as well. I've heard I've heard that, that something similar talking to people in the esports community on the East Coast. I mean, and shoot, you, I mean, the Peach Belt, they'll play people in Hawaii. Yeah. And I'm sure the ping is just got to be outrageous. Oh, my there God. It, yeah. Hawaii has that disadvantage. Away. Just straight up. It sucks to be them, honestly. <laughs> No, which which is interesting for our audience because that's the same thing for football. I mean, it's not paying, but being so geographically isolated creates a bunch of other disadvantages too. <laughs> uh, I could think of a worse life than living in Hawaii and you know having that the ocean out, out my window and and playing League of Legends all day. But yeah, for for trying to to play somebody in San Diego and then being two seconds behind everything, I could I could see how that'd be a big issue. Of course. It, it um, is an issue. Yo, yeah. Let me let me ask you about, about another issue that one of my one of my readers pointed me uh, kind of flagged to me here that I would have never even thought about. Mm. Do people gamble on this? Collegiate esports has made it known that no, um, if a program is ever affiliated with a gambling site, they ensure that there would be no partnership between League of Legends or Riot Games and that particular program. They are doing their damnedest to stamp out gambling from my perspective, because I see it in the yeah. tournament rule books all the time, intentionally not to be affiliated with any gambling site. Uh, I have not ran into a situation where I've seen 
collegiate esports gambling yet. Uh, because, well, I, I mean, speaking off the cuff and as a joke, I yeah, would be betting yeah. on my players so much and hopefully make a whole <laughs> heap of money because we have one of the best Valorant programs in all of America. Trust me, I'd be sure. betting on my team, to say the least. Um, thanks, thanks I mean, Pete Rose. <laughs> yeah, listen, if you're going to gamble, gamble on gamble for your guys, right? Exactly. Like, <laughs> Well, well, no, but I mean, we, we, we joke and, and part of this, I joke cause I, I'm just, I'm not as familiar, but like this nearly broke college basketball, you know, even as it was becoming very popular, a lot of players got involved with point shaving um, and, and, and not necessarily betting on themselves to lose, but you know, maybe I'll, I'll shave a little bit here off the spread. I'm mean, independent of the collegiate scene, just esports generally not affiliated with institutions of higher learning. Do people gamble on that? Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. Is, are they more likely to gamble on an FPS or a turn-based strategy game or are they gambling on Rocket League or is it anything you can put a bet on? Uh, it's relatively easy to just translate the, the infrastructure of gambling has in sports in general into esports and just and just gamble on the professional scene i uh okay. i have not endeavored into that thank thankfully um because i'm not relatively familiar with the professional scenes and like i don't feel confident i can make my money off off of that kind of situation but i do know that I, infrastructure I <laughs> yeah that infrastructure does exist in esports uh, I'm, I'm aware of that um it, and it also you kind of there's there's like other arguments in gaming in general where like there's some relative loopholes in in what is called surprise mechanics and loot boxing and and there's there's a there's a whole pandora's box in terms of 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 miners having the ability to to experience gambling but through through loopholes and gaming that that it's it's legal and, and stuff along those lines um yeah i am aware I think of those Brian and i both play i think we both play fifa so i think we i think we know a little bit about loot boxes already yes, yes. um <laughs> But but not 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 on this scale. That I mean, it, it, it is interesting because yeah, I, I I guess I hadn't really thought about so much of how we approach problems within the traditional college athletic sphere is informed by how we've been doing it for a hundred years, and in many cases. We're not, we haven't been doing it the right way. Like you can go back and look at the Carnegie report about amateurism or about gambling or about academic stuff. We're mostly fighting about the things, the same things before San Jose State was even a school. And part of what's exciting to me is because esports is pretty new, you have a chance to do things completely differently. Like the whole concept of amateurism, as I understand it, is not a thing in esports. I would imagine many people affiliated with your program are either making some prize money or monetizing their Twitch streams, right? Correct. There is opportunities within our uh, players to genuinely earn that money, genuinely earn money off of prize winnings. Yeah. So one of the major things that we're talking about in the, the, the more brick and mortar sports is how universities can then help some of their athletes make money on the side. Right. So if you're the star quarterback for San Jose State and presumably in within the next year, that person will be able to sign an endorsement deal or 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 sell ads on their Instagram and make a little bit of extra money, mm -hmm. which is something that your guys and girls are presumably could be doing now as, as a coach or as a, as a leader here, are there, I mean, is there anything that you can do to help your players make more money from Twitch or make more money from something other than prize money? Or is that just, you just got to get good. 
The, the get good aspect definitely makes things a whole heap easier. Um, and, and and I think when it comes to players that are affiliated within our program that that play for our teams, the goals of what they want out of the program can be very different because some just want that team experience. Some just want to play League of Legends and have a purpose. And the competitive environment is way different from just playing solo. Uh, and, and then there's some that genuinely want to try to, to – take their hand in professional play uh, and, and go through the amateur scene. Uh, some of my players on my Valorant team are in amateur teams right now that have actually been very high profile esports organizations in, in the qualifiers. And there is some serious talent where they have talent where they can seriously consider if they want a professional player or run. Um, and if they, if those goals align and they want to seek out opportunities within the esports program, they are more than welcome to do so. We can, and one of the ways to do it is to promote the awareness that this player exists and that they're that damn good um we, sure. we can we can definitely make sure that on because awareness is everything networking is everything in esports people need to know who you are before nothing is relatively cold they need they need the twitter cloud they need that highlight <laughs> sure. to, to show out there if they want to pursue being a professional player to let other team managers know that this person exists and if you try them out get them onto a highly huge organization like cloud nine team solo mid 100 thieves Counterlogic Gaming. Uh, the, collegi the collegiate uh, scene and, and as a leader standpoint, I want to ensure that all the goals of our players is met, whatever they are. And, and for those that want to make money or for those that want to pursue professional, we will do so. And the way to do it is marketing. That, 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 makes, that makes sense. I, I, I guess my, my, my last big question then, like, can you even see a world where you were sharing in some of those initiatives with the rest of the athletic department? Or would you want to work with them on some of these other things? I mean, I would imagine just from a marketing perspective, maybe a little bit less so at a place like yours, but if you got like Tim Miles out, you know, on, on, a, on a Twitch stream with some of your players or, or got some of your, the, the football team or the soccer team involved, that would increase the notoriety of your organization on campus mm -hmm. and also give the, the athletes some clout in your world. Mm -hmm. is, is, that, is, is that the kind of thing you, you would be interested or would want to pursue? That is a good question because I, I wouldn't know that answer actually because I've always operated under not because San Jose State Esports is not operated under the athletics program within San Jose State University. Right. I've came to realize from working within club sports and, and, and Spartan Recreation and those goals, the goals of that auxiliary of San Jose State is completely different from the goals that is seen at athletics. I think my biggest fear is if athletics was to see esports as a revenue opportunity. And and I that's where my mm. biggest hesitation comes because I my my goals have always been to to for the student and student involvement and and all those goals along those lines. But to make money or to um promote such things, I don't know if those goals would, would align. Um, and that's why I'm incredibly hesitant whenever they approach us to, uh, as a means to see if they can increase revenue in some capacity. That's that's a, that's a good point. Yeah, there, you, there, there are ways certainly for, for both entities to make money, but yeah, as maybe especially at a place like yours, the goals might not totally be aligned. It would be terrible if you, if, you know, you and your buddies spent 15 years building something only for it to be almost colonized by an athletic department with different goals. And that doesn't understand what you've built. My biggest fear. You just said that right there. Yeah. To have, you know, Learfield come in and, and write a check and, and change everything. Yeah. That, I, I, 
I, I, I get that. Again, seeing some similarities between this and maybe, you know, 1920s college football, just, mm-hmm. uh, you know, less leather, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, Brian, have, have we missed anything here? Yeah, I think the only question that I, I, I might throw in there is, is where do you see kind of the involvement of certainly these massive media companies who are already dealing with schools like, uh, you know, San Jose State or, you know, some of the bigger Pac-12 programs. We've seen uh, Twitch and Amazon be involved, uh, certainly with the NFL. Where do you see the involvement of these major media companies and with collegiate esports? That is a great question because that is also relatively uncharted territory where the involvement of them can also not align with the goals and the general culture that esports has built because the world of esports has been built on the internet this entire time. It has been built through twitch.tv, through YouTube streaming, all the content creators and all the influencers in the realm of gaming and esports are all found online on the internet, accessible if you just type twitch.tv in the web browser in 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 the involvement of mass media companies is so there's there's a level of aspect where it's like oh my god finally esports is going to be mainstream that's humongous i'm going to be on tv mama type moments but at the same time the goals may not align because maybe those mass media companies what is the roi they're expecting you're selling a completely different product to an audience that has never consumed esports or gaming on the television screen or in cable tv or anything along those lines um so it i i it's interesting to see where the relationship or where the bridge will cross with the similarities and they could push those goals forward but if you just say oh espn wants to stream the finals of the collegiate uh that's uh, i think a a remarkable opportunity but at the same time i'm hesitant on what their what their goals are more and if it isn't if it isn't met it shouldn't be blamed on the community itself it's just that the goals have always inherently been different and the culture too because you will watch esport games on your computer not on the television screen and i don't think that trend's going to change anytime soon it's kind of almost like fans of an indie band being a little bit conflicted when that band goes on MTV yes. or, or kind of blows up yes. a little bit, right? Like on one hand, you've got to be excited with, when you see people, you know, whether that's a famous athlete or a musician or celebrity or just people that you know in your community getting into esports for the first time. Like Rocket League is fun. Knowing other people are playing like Rocket League, like I, I, I get it. But also... It's, then it, it it can dilute the community and the culture that you've built, something that's unique. And from what I've noticed, it, for a lot of people who are really into gaming, that's really important to them because they might not have had access to other major communities on campus, or, or either explicitly or implicitly. So if you lose that to what you've built, I can see how that would be, you know, a, a, a personally harmful, right? right? It's, it, it, it's just like people would complain if something happened to the Greek life system or to, to other other major major clubs like that. I don't really know there's a good answer for it, right? You, you want progress, but you want progress on your terms, yes. um, not to be dictated to you. Correct. And dictated to us be, uh, under the under false expectations that I would believe wouldn't, wouldn't occur in the, in the first place either. Um, and and sure. to make such humongous change without understanding our culture. Culture. Because I would I would hope that that individual, um, joking aside, maybe they get the esports certificate, but like is 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 very well a part of our scene and yes. understands the differences between traditional media, traditional sports, 
than than esports media and esports itself. Can you bridge those gaps together and make it work? I will. I would hope so. I just think that if you throw money at it immediately and try to make change, it is potentially harmful. The thing with esports is it was developed. It's now a billion dollar industry. Unbelievably, it's a global thing too. Oh, yeah. It's just that when compared to traditional sports, it was brought up in such a unique way, all on the internet, off of games that that you wouldn't think people would love to watch, but people love to watch, myself included. Um, people. Uh, so, if traditional mass media or or anyone that that wants that sees this as an opportunity for growth or revenue, I become extremely skeptical. And I hope that the people that lead such a change in esports to know what they're doing and understand the culture. It, 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 it's not as easy as putting the League of Legends finals on ESPN1. It, it, it's That's almost impossible with the way that League of Legends is, is played because you just do not add break in the middle of a game. As, as, as much as NFL fans are already complain about advertisements, it's impossible to do so. And that's already a humongous revenue stream being declined just because of the nature of the games. It's a good point. You know, one, I, I guess if we're, if we're to look at all of this here with, with some sense of optimism is that you know, I can see that the infrastructure around esports, both the collegiate level and generally is growing a lot, especially as you have people who now have been playing the playing and being involved for six, seven years, wrap up their professional careers and get into coaching or get into the administration or get into management. And you have, um, a, a team and a club and a college infrastructure didn't exist before. So I guess the hope is then, then when you finish your career, that people like you that have had experience running some of these clubs and have, 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 have built some of this infrastructure can, can grow into this industry and help people make those decisions rather than just, you know, somebody like me coming in, like, how do you do fellow kids and, and, right. and, and, and dictating it. Brian and I have seen this in the digital media world when people have done this to us about things that I think that, that we knew and it didn't work so well. I can understand the skepticism in your world. Mm-hmm. Alan, it's been a pleasure. Um, where can our listeners find you and find some of your teammates on the Internet? We are SJSU underscore esports on Twitter. Uh, find us there. And what a, a program looks like when it's run by so many passionate individuals that are that is around me. Uh, so yeah, check check out check and check out your local esports program too, if if you're affiliated with the college. Because um, because I don't want to promote myself, I want to promote the entire industry and promote the entire student body because I'm surrounded by so many people passionate in this industry that want that recognition, a little bit of recognition, or or somebody from above in, in, in the echelon to 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 look into the, into what these students are doing. They're doing something great and they're investing into the future. You look at the rest of, of incoming freshmen from here on out, they have grown up on gaming. Not they, not only have they grown up on gaming, they damn well did during this pandemic too. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, 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 so yeah. Uh, so my program is SJCU underscore esports on Twitter, but please look into your own esports program on your campus and, and, and have a talk with a student. They are more than happy to tell you about what, what goes on and happy to, to, to lend a hand in, in learning. There is a humongous learning opportunity by just speaking to a person like me. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm happy to echo that. And I'll just say this, like, as, as I've been kind of trying to more fam- to familiarize myself more with this, in, with, with college esports, I have a couple of different newsletters coming on this soon. Um, I've been delighted with, by how much the actual students 
love answering my stupid questions and and and, <laughs> are, and talking of talking about the world because because they're they're excited about it. And honestly, like it, it's it's harder for me to get a hold of your linebacker and and have him like right. walk through shot <laughs> study for me or, or even call up a volleyball player. But if you talk to somebody you know who's who's in in Rocket League or in in in, in the FBS community, they are they are thrilled to talk, Alan. Thank you again. Best of luck here with the with your with your squad here over the coming months, and hopefully you're able to get together again in person soon. Thank you guys so much for this opportunity. For real. Folks, this episode of Going for Two is sponsored by our friends at Proper Good. Proper Good makes some of the tastiest and healthiest zero prep meals that you could want. They're clean. They've got ingredients that you can actually spell and that you recognize. There's not a bunch of weird hyphens. There's no extra added sugar. There's no extra added uh, unnatural things. And they're ready to eat in just 90 seconds. You don't have to, you don't have, you just stick it in the microwave uh, and you're good to go. You don't have to do any complicated prep work. And for somebody like me, that's constantly juggling nine different things all at the same time. That is, uh, that's a, a lifesaver. Um, Cause otherwise I would just eat a bunch of lifesavers, um, <laughs> which uh, is, is not what we're trying to do here. You can get uh, with the other great thing I think about proper good beyond the fact that it's more nutritious than a pack of lifesavers is that it's really flexible. You want plant-based, you want keto, you want gluten-free, you want dairy-free, you got it. Whatever your particular fitness or dietary situation is proper good has some food options here for you. You can grab 10% off your first order by grabbing the link in the latest Extra Points newsletter or head down to eatpropergood.com. This uh, episode is also brought to you by Extra Points, which just finished its big new relaunch. It has a big, beautiful website. Almost all of the links work at this point. Um, and we're able to do that. We're able to, to, to create this new redesign, to host all of these new uh, open record documents for everybody to look through because of readers like you. Um, you can subscribe to Extra Points for free. You'll get two newsletters a week, but with a paid subscription, you get four newsletters a week and access to our private Discord, uh, where we occasionally do audio office hours, answer questions, chat with your friends, and you get the warm, fuzzy satisfaction of knowing that you're helping support independent media. Well, actually, I have a different ad read code for this week. We got the ad reads working here. If at checkout, you use promo code PODCAST, P-O-D-C-A-S-T. I figured that's going to be a little bit easier than go for two. Uh, that gets you 20% off. And that discount code is good for an entire year. That's promo code podcast at www.extrapointsmb.com. You know, I, I, I got to admit, I'm probably never going to get into most of the actual esports games. I have tried people playing. I've tried watching League of Legends before because I'm trying to understand what people are into. I don't think visually it's a product for me, but I understand why a bunch of other people like it. And after I think a conversation like that, it's hard to not feel excited about uh, not just the commercial potential of, of this entity, but I perhaps more, well, not perhaps, definitely more important about what it's doing for people's lives on campus. And for, I think, especially for a school like San Jose State that would like to have more people stay on campus and build those relationships and come back to the school, um, this might be more effective for certain groups of people than their athletic department could ever hope to be. Uh, absolutely. And you talk about so many of the marketers out there, so many of the athletics folks out there, they're always 
always trying to reach into those new demographics and, and really connect with uh, people that are that are college age nowadays. And this is what a lot of them are doing. And I, I can't wait till we, we eventually kind of reach that nexus point to where you see, take a, a Zion Williamson, somebody with a massive social following who also likes to game and, and, and they're also one of the superstars on the field. I, I can't wait till we kind of reach that inflection point to where we are starting to see some some real crossover between what's happening in athletics and, and what's happening with esports because I, I think it's coming because uh, a lot of these kids nowadays, that yeah, they're, they're playing. Uh, they're even playing with some of these coaches out there uh, on the football side. It, it, it's going to come to a point where a lot of these athletic departments are, are going to have to get serious about not only what this is as an industry, but also what it can mean for their own schools uh, individually as well. Yeah. I mean, this is, we talked about this before. It's part of the reason I think why we're both really excited about the return of the college football game. Uh, not just because we both really liked playing the college football game, uh, but also people like playing video games. And uh, you're right. It, it, it may be a, a world where athletic departments decide that they actually need to build relationships with their campus esports programs, not necessarily for revenue generation on their side, but because it's an important outlet of building the brand of their individual athletes. This is a, 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 a name, image, and likeness issue for them. It's a way for them to build campus relationships or, or network with a different, a different kind of people. And maybe that ends up happening through the college football video game. We'll get really meta and watch college football stars play, college, play themselves while talking about playing college football. Who knows? I mean, I mean honestly, I would probably watch it. That's more accessible yeah. for me than in some of these other games. Yeah, and I think I think maybe that the NCAA video game could be that inflection point from administrators taking things seriously because it, it, we've talked about it before how big of a marketing vehicle it can be for your school and and if you're operating in in some of these esports leagues if EA Sports really decides to get in involved not only just with the video game itself but involving these these campuses around there I, I think we've seen some success with Madden tournaments um, you look at the Pro Bowl nowadays with the NFL there's a Madden tournament tournament associated with it if if we're maybe maybe not too in the, in the not too distant future we're seeing the, the college football playoff championship game is is also kind of led into on on the saturday before by a ncaa video game version and and i think we, we could start to see some of those kind of crossover events uh in, in the not too distant future but I, i'm excited I to see where this industry is moving forward because it's already a 150 plus billion dollar industry it's already a massive entertainment uh focus and i think for uh athletics and in particular, you've got to get on this train before it leaves station. Yeah, it, it, it is. There's definitely money in it. But even still, at the end of the day, I, the, the thing that I'm going to remember is how excited Alan was about it. And 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 in, in five years, what he and his classmates and his teammates are going to remember about the relationships that they've built and the the experience they had building something, whether whether then they spend their careers building within esports or building construction companies or building you know, HR departments or or anything else. All right, like th this is why people feel so fondly about about fraternities or about club and intramural sports or other things or their campus newspapers or a slew of other things. Um, this enterprise still is allegedly about education and about student experience. And, and perhaps there's something that the esports community can tell the athletic side, not just about branding, but about the student experience component there as well. Um, 
Brian, this, this, this has been a pleasure here. Uh, where can the people on the internet find you now that I think you've had a chance to catch your breath now that the draft is over? Yeah, a lot of draft content. Uh, you can always find it on my Twitter page at Brian D. Fisher. And a uh, couple couple news events, uh, some spring meetings coming up for, for a lot of the college conferences will be following over the next couple of weeks. So a uh, big week in, in the college sports industry and uh, also a big week uh, overall in terms of uh, the football is kind of passing us by in terms of the draft and, and we're turning more of our attention, not just on, on spring football, but uh, what the 2021 season is going to bring for us. Yeah, this is when I worked for Vox, the end of the NFL draft kind of meant like the start of summer vacation. And this that's when like the real capital O offseason stories happen. But with a podcast like this and with my newsletter, there isn't really an offseason because because like the 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 more esoteric or the more administrative, the more granular level stuff that you finally get some time to dig into in May and June and July. That's our wheelhouse, baby. Um, we, we will we will not have any shortage of stuff to talk about. Uh, I can be found at Matt Brown EP on Twitter. Drop me a line. I'm at matt at extrapointsmb.com. That's my email address. You can, of course, find extra points at extrapointsmb.com. It's been been fun, friends. Uh, That's Brian. I'm Matt. Thanks for listening. We'll catch up with you next week.